It is the 200 level, episode 290. Mike Carpenter in the basement on a little bit earlier than usual, Thursday evening. We've been doing some 7 p.m. podcasts, but doing 5 p.m. And why is that? It's because Mr. and Mrs. Carp, I just refer to myself in the third person, need to go out and get tailgate supplies. That's right. We need to get everything ready for the homecoming tailgate, which is coming up on Saturday. It looks to be a beautiful fall day. I don't know about you guys, but I've just been cruising all week. Things are good. And it's crazy how sports can do that to you. But I think that the absence of Illini success in the fall and now this sort of punctuated moment of success that we are not used to makes it that much sweeter. So the fact that you get two games in a row in the heat of this season, Iowa last week, which as I mentioned on the last podcast was a huge load off. And now the Minnesota game, which is sort of the cherry on top. I am totally unencumbered. I am as loose as one could be being five and one ranked for the first time in 11 years and a homecoming game against a good Minnesota team. I want to use the word good for Minnesota because I think objectively they are. We've seen PJ Fleck turn that program into something more than solid. A good eight wins a year is what you can bank on from them. And they are possibly the team that could take over the Iowa or Wisconsin spot if either of those two teams fall too far. But I think Illinois can too. So if there is an importance in this game that goes beyond Saturday and goes beyond this Big Ten West race this year, I do think it is sort of the narrative of who's going to take that spot. Is it Minnesota or Illinois? One would argue maybe Purdue, and they won nine games last year. So I don't want to sleep on them. But for some reason, I do think there's something more sustainable about what P.J. Fleck or what Brett Bielema is doing. And I know I'm drinking the orange Kool-Aid, but I do think that Brett Bielema might have a little bit more of a sustained recipe for success than P.J. Fleck even. And who's to know? Between the two of them, who would you bank on maybe leaving for another job or greener pastures? I don't want to jinx anything, but I don't believe in jinxes. I would imagine P.J. Fleck would be the more likely guy to defect at some point and that Brett Bielema will stay here aided by an athletic director that will pay him whatever he needs. So this is an opportunity, I guess, if you're thinking about Big Ten West, I can't say supremacy because you need to do a little bit more than just start five and one to be in the discussion for Big Ten West supremacy. But at least for this year, I think it is very valuable to assert yourselves while you can. That being said, and it's easy for me to say this 48 hours away from the game, it's easy for me to say that I won't be angry if they lose. And I really do think that's true. I'd be disappointed, but I wouldn't fall back on, oh, we've done it again. Oh, we blew it. If you lose on Saturday, to me, it appears that you would lose just because Minnesota is a little bit better and a little bit healthier than you are. But for some reason, I'm having a really hard time imagining that they are better than Illinois. And that is the orange Kool-Aid, perhaps, but I think it's also based on what we've seen so far. And in Minnesota's case, what we haven't seen. They've played one decent team all year. One decent team, Purdue. Illinois has played Wisconsin and Iowa. I don't know if Wyoming's decent or not, but they have won some games since. Virginia has talent, but they're a mess. Wyoming and Virginia were better than any non-conference team that Minnesota played. Their non-conference schedule stunk. And yeah, uh, the one time they played Purdue without Mo Ibrahim, we acknowledge that that's a big loss, but their offense was lethargic and Purdue's defense is nothing to write home about. It's always dangerous to do the transitive property, and I'm kind of doing that now. Well, I don't think Purdue's that great, so them losing at home to Purdue 20-10 to means we can keep them out of the end zone. I think we can. I still do. Until another team actually gets in the end zone, 
I'm not expecting it to happen. It's it's absurd, I know, but I would not be surprised if it happens again on Saturday. All this to say that I'm optimistic. And if you do lose, okay, maybe I'm setting myself up to be disappointed by continually heaping praise and optimism on this team. But I'm just going with what I've seen. And I said that before the Wisconsin game. I said that before the Iowa game. If I'm taking the jersey names off of it and going off of who has looked better, it's been Illinois. And I think if we are to take any nuggets away from Brett Bielema today, and we'll get to his quotes later, don't be so sure that Tommy DeVito is not going to play. Don't be so sure of that. I go back to Saturday night and how long he was in the tent and then he immediately gets out and he's on the bike and you could tell when he was coming out of the tent that he was disappointed. He had been delivered some bad news because he was slowly walking back, but not gingerly so much. And then on Monday morning quarterback, you get Lauren Tate and Brian Barnhart talking about, well, you know, at least Tate or somebody saw him walk out to the DeVito tailgate in lot 31 and he looked fine. Of course, Bielema has played it close to the best. And of course, Vegas has responded by assuming he wouldn't play since Illinois has the bye week coming up. But would you at all be shocked if DeVito's under center? I will again today mention that if Art Sitkowski is your quarterback, there is still paths to victory. My God, you won with Brandon Peters last year throwing for 75, 80 yards total, even though a few of those were good passes. But yeah, I, I think that the path is there regardless. I think DeVito could still play. Isaiah Williams sounds really positive. Taz Nicholson sounds like he's heading in the right direction. There's the Josh McCray factor. And while you don't have Caleb Griffin, that's okay. Fabrizio went three for three. Fabrizio Pintone, which I thought I'd get a Gabe Ackes jersey, but if Fabrizio has another game that helps you win against a Big Ten West rival, maybe it's going to be my first kicker's jersey. I'm excited. I'm feeling good, and I'm going to get to the chat thread here in a bit and see what you guys think about Saturday, but this is what winning does. It really does change the mindset, and it puts me in a place of not nerves, this weird contentment that I'm not used to, this sort of, ah, we got this, and I know that's not really analysis, and I know the smart pick may be on Minnesota based on the uncertainty with Illinois' roster, but... I'm not going that direction because I, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to talk myself out of it, just like before the Wisconsin game. Come on, Carp. Ease up. It's not going to be that easy. And yet I can't help but think, nah, we got this. Dangerous game to play. I get it, but that's where I'm at. YouTube live feed, where are you guys at? It looks like we got uh, almost 10 people here on an early evening, and we see excitement from Michael Gerard, we, or Gerard, excuse me, which I think Gerard is the name of a famous English footballer. You know, European football, that is. From uh, Kerp Nose, another week where I'm feeling dangerously confident. So far, so good. I'm the same way. And we'll see as other people kind of trickle in if they're feeling as good as I am. I'm not sure, but yeah. Hope springs eternal. I guess, no, not hope. We're past the hope part. Optimism is what's settled in for me. Now, we got a busy show today. We have... A couple of messages that I got on Twitter that I thought were really interesting that are kind of responses to things that I talked about Monday. One of them being the Robert Rosenthal article and got a really awesome message from Kevin on Twitter that I want to read. And and to recap that, I agree with most of what Robert was saying that, yeah, it felt that much better because I've been to that many more disappointments. Yeah, there's a payoff for me that maybe a casual fan wouldn't have. Didn't mean to pop my pee there. But that I want the open, you know, the big tent to let everybody in and let them enjoy it as well. But I'm going to get to a really cool message from Kevin in a bit regarding that. There's a message from, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, Jake, Astros fan, which, by the way, of course, they're leading again thanks to Jordan Alvarez. They're going to smoke the Yankees probably in the ALCS. That's just how it goes. Jake, the Astros fan, has a message about something I said at the beginning of this year about how my frustration as a Illini fan was all the memories I don't have, all the good memories I don't have, and that other fan bases get to experience that. that that's just been very frustrating for me. So there's a, something he listened to on an Iowa podcast regarding that that will make you feel, as an Illini fan, very happy to hear. If you're into schadenfreude, you're happy for our success, but aren't you a little bit happy that Iowa and Wisconsin fans are visibly not having a great time this year? I am, and that's fandom. It's okay to have a little bit of schadenfreude. Okay, we have updates from Bielema. I kind of hit on that briefly. We have Big Ten Week 7 matchups to look at, and I'll give my prediction for this game. You already know which direction I'm going, but what will the final score be? What a fun game that always is. Okay, if it hits, you look like a genius. If it doesn't, Okay, I predicted it wins the last two weeks, but the scores have not been close. I said 24-20 Illinois over Wisconsin. Now nah, you smoked them, 34-10. I predicted 24-13 Illinois over Iowa in my defense. I think if DeVito would have played, that might have been the final score, but you won 9-6. So I'm not really close here. Let's see if I can get it right this week. Now, before I get too far into this, got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Sorry, I got a muted tab there. Anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, favorites like the Buffer Zone or the Maui Wowie. Those were our go-tos back in college. You can get a custom zone with any topping you want. And why not make it a celebratory calzone homecoming weekend? If you're someone my age or thereabouts, you can relive your glory days with a DP Doe calzone. That's dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior needs, these guys are the goods expert craftsmen. Customer service is second to none. They also give back to the community, and as a townie myself, I appreciate that. They've been with us for a couple of years. We appreciate their support. Why not support them and get a free quote for your next home exterior project at rectorconstruction.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well. We have our homeowners and auto bundle from them. Great State Farm prices, as you would expect, but also customer service that cannot be beat. Brian is so quick to get back to you. His staff is tremendous. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Ah, football, campfires, and s'mores. It's sweatshirt weather. It is now. That also means it's about time to fire up your furnace. So call them today at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728. For a furnace check, we had Matthew, technician from Dogtown, come down, check our furnace. It's working beautifully. He cleaned something out, which was maybe going to make it a little bit skittish this winter. So we're good to go. And you can get 10% off by just mentioning the 200 level. When you call Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, 217-841-4728, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you all for making us a top 50 United States of America basketball podcast during football season. That's just one area that we're our genre, so to speak, on Apple Podcast. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. And also for the ratings and reviews. We've gotten some new ones there. That helps us get discovered by other Illini fans. So we appreciate that. You can rate and review us on 
Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Before I get too far ahead of myself, you know, when you're in school all week and you're talking to kids, you, you need to keep the throat lubricated with, in this case, coffee. They say sometimes coffee is a dehydrator. I drink enough of it where I think it's actually the opposite effect. So let me just get a sip here. Mm. I'm that kind of coffee guy that drinks decaf at night just because I like the taste of coffee and I don't want to stay up all night. I want to start with two messages that I got here from listeners of the program, as they say. Jake, the Astros fan, sends this message. Hey, Carp, just wanted to point out something to you I found funny. In one of your podcasts towards the beginning of the season, or maybe before, you were talking about how a lot of the disappointment with, with Illinois' lack of success isn't just disappointment with losing football. It's missing out on making memories. I was just listening to a live Iowa football podcast on YouTube, and someone called in basically saying that their frustration with their football program right now is that they're screwing fans out of positive memories. He even cited watching the 63-0 game as an example of a memory he made with his family a few years ago. Jake, thanks for the message. Jake followed up by sending a link to the YouTube video and the exact moment where this guy calls in. And I mentioned schadenfreude. It's okay to have schadenfreude and, and be happy that other fan bases are not quite as happy. And I'm, I'm in that place. I'm tired of losing to Iowa and Wisconsin. So beating them's one thing. And knowing that they are getting a little taste of the medicine that we have so often had is fine by me too. So I get a kick out of it that an Iowa fan feels as if they're being unable to make new memories when for the last 20 years, that's all they've been able to do. Now, in their mind, it's kind of an interesting case study, Iowa fandom, football fandom, where Kirk Ferentz is a legend. He is, and yet there is this, or so it seems from the outside, just a little cloud that kind of hangs over it. Not that they were ever probably going to compete for national titles, but while they've had the occasional 10-1 season, Iowa football and the brand of football they play has very steadily decreased in terms of entertainment. Only when they have an athletic quarterback, which is few and far between. I guess you'd have to go all the way back to Brad Smith. Was that it? Brad Banks or Brad Smith in the early 2000s. The other one played for Missouri. And then, oh my God, there was a quarterback maybe five, six years ago that was pretty decent for them as well. Felt like he was there for five or six years. And I feel like they were... (laughs) I was about to say, I think there's a Z in his name. Doesn't really narrow it down, but maybe you guys in the chat thread remember. Oh, Drew Neitzel? No, that's the Michigan State point guard. Oh, God. Stanzi. Stanzi was the guy's name. He was okay. Point being, there seems to be this weird cloud over their program where they have an identity. They're Iowa football. They're proud of it as they should be. I would trade the last 20 years for Iowa football for Illinois any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Is that the saying? But... I think they're just kind of pooped. There's a stagnation, and I've mentioned that word for Iowa and Wisconsin this year, which gives this window of opportunity for Illinois. But that stagnation is really apparent in Iowa City right now. Brian Ferentz was asked at a press conference this week, why not give the backup? What's the downside in giving the backup a chance at quarterback? And he was like, the the downside? And he kind of paused a bit, and he said, well, what's the upside? And then this video on YouTube, or maybe it was a TikTok video, immediately showed right there at the bottom of Spencer Petrus, 130 out of 130 QB efficiency rankings. Sadly, the quarterback for Indiana is there as well, which makes you wonder, gosh darn it, how do we lose that game? But you did, and I'm okay with it. I really am. I'm at peace with the Indiana loss. 
But back to Iowa. And I think that's funny, Jake, that you sent this message. You heard this podcast. I was thinking about perusing the Iowa Hawkeye podcast on Apple this week just to see what they were saying. And I, I would maybe still go back and check out one from Sunday or Monday, like an immediate post-game reaction to see just how bummed they are. But isn't it nice to be on the other side of that? And you see how happy I am, almost deliriously, Carp, what are you on? You've never been this sustained kind of happiness with Illinois football. It's it's making my fall better. Is that weird to say that my fall is better because Illinois football's good? And maybe I won't say that if this becomes a consistent thing, but I don't know, man. I don't think I'll get sick of this. I would not get sick of 5-1 and one in the way they're playing. And I recognize it's not always going to be this dominant on one side of the ball like it is defense, but yeah, there, there's something brewing here. So, Jake, thanks for sending that and, and reminding us. Other fan bases are now experiencing what we so often have experienced ourselves. Okay, Bobo, great. This is about DeVito. I'm going to get to that after one more message here from Kevin. Kevin sends me a message. He listened to the last podcast, and this is in regards to my criticism of a point that Robert Rosenthal from Illini, Illini Board, was making. He wrote a couple articles, one on Friday, one on Sunday, and it is true that for the more invested fans that have dealt with a lot of disappointments, Saturday's game probably meant more. There were a few things that he said that I thought implicitly and occasionally explicitly were saying, hey, this isn't casual fans or media types. This isn't your journey. This is ours. We're, we're claiming the fan base back. So there were some mixed messages that I took a little bit of an issue with. And again, so there's no media war here. It's not about Robert because he's talented and has his own niche. It was about a point he made. And I would have the same discussion with Robert in person and just say, hey, it is true. I agree with 90% of it because I felt that on Saturday. Well, Kevin sent this message. I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it was well worth reading. Kevin says, listening further to your discussion on Robert and gatekeeping, I don't entirely disagree with you, but I also absolutely feel a similar way to him. I am one of those 17, which is the phrase that they use for um, Robert and other fans that like football more than basketball. I live in Michigan, have had season tickets for 14 years, all while living in Michigan, and make it to the majority of home games each year. Have also been the Big House, MSU, and Northwestern for games. I'm not better than any other fan, but an experience at this Iowa game hit home with me as far as what Robert was saying. My seats are West Balcony, South End, and the first two rows. I sit with my dad, my 10-year-old son who makes the trip with me. I remember the, you sending me this story about him, Kevin, when he was two a year or so ago. A friend and his two sons. My son and I come from Michigan, my dad from Springfield, and my friend and his sons from Monticello. Same seats for the last five, six years after moving from the Horseshoe. There are several other season ticket holders around us that have seen my son grow up and we chat with. There are, of course, empty seats around us, usually, and some revolving single-game fans as well. Well, at this game, there was a loud group of fans that I've never seen before. And this, this guy, every big play, was standing up and yelling, which is great and fine, no problem there. And he kept turning around and motioning for everyone else to get up. Now, as I said in my message above, I've done that so many times. Stood up on a big play just to be let down. Kevin, that sentence right there, <laughs> the Allen Ball era. Remember the Allen Ball era, talented cornerback, all the third and eights where he gave 12 yards a cushion, slant pattern, Ugh, another third and long converted. I just think Allen Ball whenever I see third and long conversions. That's what this whole game felt like. One giant third and 15 to make a huge difference. And for what seems like the first time the Illini came through. And what I couldn't help thinking, though, was how I've never seen this guy. 
Who was this guy to tell everyone else to stand up? Where was he when we lost to Eastern Michigan? I left at halftime that game. Or got destroyed by Wisconsin. That's not to say I'm a better fan or he can't be excited. I'm more of a, I've lived through the heartbreaks, demoralizing defeats, and rare big wins in half-empty stadiums for 14 years. You don't get to come in shiny and loud and take the glory of a big win. I'm not standing up because I need this win. I do stand up at times. I jump out of my seat on big plays. I high-five those around me after scores. But I often sit trying to will the play to go the way I want. I I understand that, Kevin. I, it's weird. There's like this sort of telepathic thing. You're trying to envision positive things on the field before they happen. I don't know if you... Yeah, I think I get what you're saying. Back to Kevin's message. So all of that, I guess, to say one fan isn't necessarily better or worse than another based on their viewing and attendance habits. But when some feel the game so much differently than others... but Excuse me, let me read that again. But some feel the games so much differently than others. And when those who have been there during the brutal times get trampled by those who come now that it's fun, it can be a hard pill to swallow. As I told my friend, I love the feel and idea of a sold-out stadium, but I also love not having anyone sit by me. (laughs) I can relate. It was actually kind of a nice thing, Kevin. I had, it was a dad and his son next to me, and they must have moved to different seats, and I don't think I was being loud or obnoxious or anything. I don't think it was me. But regardless, it was nice to have a little bit of extra space. I'm not going to lie. And it's nice to go in the bathrooms and never wait in line and all that. So while I welcome any Illini fan in the stadium and want to sell out, being covered in scars is tough enjoying the fresh-faced newcomers with completely open arms. Thanks for all the content. Enjoy the pod. It makes my workday more enjoyable. Go Illini. Kevin, I appreciate the nuanced, detailed perspective, much of which I agree with. I'm a little bit more open arms, but I do understand because you sound a little bit more invested than even me. I made conscious decisions for a lot of these disappointing years. I'm not going in. That was my protest, I suppose. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to invest in it to the degree that I'm always going to watch the games. And I'm going to be disappointed when they lose. But I'm not going to take that extra step. And I did this for a long time. Unless it's a big game or unless they show me something, I'm not going in. Happened as recently as this year after they lost to Indiana, where I was harping on it down here. I'm not going into that stadium. And I didn't stubbornness yes immaturity perhaps defense mechanism 100 percent. so you do have a bit more of a different perspective where you have weathered a little bit more of it in a closer proximity than i have i've kept it at arm's length when i felt it get a little too hot or in, in illinois case often way too cold kept it at arm's length you have embraced it and all that so i i do get why okay who's this guy getting the crowd that's great and all but like you said where you been I can understand that dichotomy and why it's tough to reconcile sometimes. So thanks for the message. And it was, you know, listen, we as a fan base, I got to think that Cubs or Red Sox fans have that to an extent. I can't speak to that in terms of baseball because as a Yankees fan, you know, again, it's been a charmed existence. But for Red Sox fans pre-2004, there had to be some feelings of, whoa, you weren't wearing a Red Sox hat before we finally broke the curse. You know, where were you when we were losers and, and we had all these scars? So I, I get it. I do get it. And uh, I, I think that for me, I'm having so much fun that I'm that much more, I guess, overlooking any of those potential feelings and just saying, okay, come on in. I'm having a great time. You want to have a great time? Let's have a great time. It would be different if there was a guy right in front of me or behind me like, come on, let's go. Now, there were moments in that game. You know, I felt 
during the Iowa game, and I think the Minnesota game similarly, and I'm still getting my voice back, so I need to be careful. I remember saying out loud, all right, run it down their throats. It's like, what is? when did this meatball fanboy carp come out? Run it down their throats. And I was like, does that sound dirty? I'm not exactly sure. But I was so freaking into it, and I really wanted to win that game that when we started getting momentum, and God, the first, the first drive was a beautiful drive until you didn't punch it in, but I thought we can just run it down their throats. And I said that maybe five or six times, and I wonder if people around me were like, geez, this meathead over here, what a what a joke. But that's football, man, bloodlust. I. I was doing this activity with my students today called the Saurus Thursday, where I give them three basic words, and then they go out and find synonyms. And one of the words was attack. And then they mentioned blitz. A few kids found blitz, and they're football fans, so they recognized it. I said, yeah, that's when you send more defenders after the quarterback, more than just your defensive line. And then I just had, a couple times today, I had these flashbacks to when we were taking Petrus down, and I was like, you know, it gets the, it gets the bloodlust and the, the, fun, the fun anger that you get when you watch football, where you just want to knock the opposing team's head off. So isn't that a cool spot to be in, where maybe I'm that jerk in the crowd, but the fact they're making me feel that again, and that's kind of why we like football. It's a gladiator sport. I'm not going to pretend that there is not moral issues with guys knocking their brains around. But when it's a bunch of hard hits and stuff, I'm in. I am in for it. All right, I want to hit up the YouTube live stream here. Alana Brickgirl says, oh, there definitely were. And she was referring to some of the Red Sox and Cardinals thing, or sorry, Red Sox and Cubs things. I was at that World Series thinking the Yankees would be there. I'm guessing that was 2016. Alani Brick Girl. And then Bobo says, Feel you, Carp. Being a Cardinals fan who consistently wins and have for the last 20 years, that's that's been the weird thing for me, Bobo, is that there are other teams I root for, Alani basketball included, where they give me enough that this whole Alani football never being good is, it's easier for me to shut it off in a weird way. Now it's not. Now I'm on board, so let's do this. This is from Astros Jake. And hello, Astros Jake. Jake, he's, uh, he's the one that sent me the first message about the Iowa podcast. Even if Illinois loses on Saturday, we got a couple weeks of being 5-2 and two heading into Nebraska. We get an entire October of optimism. 100% Astros Jake. Joseph follows that up by saying, true, but my brain is now getting greedy. And once the chance at 7-1 at the end of October, which is silly, but you know, it's fun. And Alani Brickle, well, 2004, you're right. The Yankees lost to the Red Sox, of course, in 7 my 18th birthday was the day after they lost Game 7. Very frustrating, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, I I want to go back to Bobo's comment here. Or Astros Jake, excuse me. Even if Illinois loses on Saturday. Let's talk about the possibility of them losing Saturday. It would suck. But a 5-2, and two, I made a prediction on Tuesday that if they lose Saturday, they are not going to lose to Nebraska. Period. Guarantee it. There would be nothing on Saturday in a loss that would shake my confidence that this team would then rebound after a bye week, especially, and go in and get the sixth win at Nebraska. Six and two is still pretty good. I think there's a possibility you win Saturday, and then you're feeling so high that college football and all of its weirdness bites you in the butt when you go to Nebraska. So I'm going to feel, oddly enough, less easy about the Nebraska game if we win on Saturday. And maybe that's the scared Illini fan rearing its ugly head a little bit. But for me, it's a little bit more of the weirdness of college football and why I 
I'm not going to take anything for granted, even though Nebraska's been bad by most measures, though they are 2-1 and one and tied for the Big Ten West lead. This is from Bobo. I was at the Iowa game and could care less what happened with the Cardinals game that night, just because I haven't been this excited for Illinois football since the Rose Bowl year. And Bobo, the same goes for me and the Yankees right now. And I've kind of been tuned out from the Yankees this year because they didn't do anything in the offseason. And I said, you know what, I'm until they actually do something, I'm, I, I can't. I've seen this story before. And when they lose to the Astros again in the ALCS, I'll be that sort of, yep, told you so. That's why I didn't get invested, even though Judge had a phenomenal year worth celebrating. But... I would have been in the same boat. It could have been a wild card game for the Yankees. I don't know if I would have even checked the score. And I can't because I don't get service in the stadium. Which, that's another thing. Kind of nice, actually. You are sort of forced, as a Verizon customer at least, to be into the game. Because I can't get score updates. I can't get on Twitter. I get the occasional text message. So it was really only communication with Trevor and Isaac during the game. And then my dad next to me. But that's nice. I was that much more invested because I can't check other scores and... Maybe I wouldn't have anyways, but Verizon, your service can keep on sucking. It's not taken away from my enjoyment of these Saturdays. All right. Let me see here. And, oh, the Astros are up 4-2. to two. Fantastic. I mean, again, they're, they're inevitably going to beat the Yankees and go to the World Series again. Ho-hum. Let's talk about Bielema and his quotes today about injuries. And I'm going to read an article from Joey Wagner from Alana Inquirer about this. Illinois quarterback Tommy DeVito has not been ruled out for Saturday's game against Minnesota. Illinois head coach Brett Bielema left the status of a starting quarterback up in the air when meeting with reporters on Thursday. Wide receiver Isaiah Williams, cornerback Taz Nicholson, and linebacker Isaac Darkangelo are all expected to play after leaving last week's game with injuries. I'll say that again. Isaiah Williams, Taz Nicholson, Isaac Darkangelo. Huge. All three of them. Caleb Griffin, not expected to play, and kicker Fabrizio Pintone is expected to have field goal duties. Fabrizio, my guy. Here's a quote from Bielema. Kind of case by case. Isaiah has been really good. He's actually got practice in. We're going to be able to see him, I think, for sure. Taz has continued to track in the right direction. Tommy, don't know. Hmm. Okay. That's going to have to be something. We don't want to make sure we have a... We don't want to make sure we have... We make a decision on the front end here that can affect something long-term. Okay, got it. He's saying he doesn't want to potentially aggravate it even more. Dark Angela will be back with us and feel good. Not quite there. Josh McCray, it's a continual day to kind of see where he's at. He's playing. Come on, let's be real. Same thing as Tommy. You don't want to do anything that can take away from what we can do down the road. Bielema said DeVito has also been able to practice in some capacity, but did not clarify how much the quarterback has done in practice. Always. Everybody. Bielema said when asked if DeVito has practiced. Even if you can't do anything, we want to engage them in practice the best we can. We do walkthroughs. We do things that don't involve any type of movement. He's been able to do a lot of good things. Hmm. I'm not going to give you anything. <laughs> oh, Brett. Bielema said that Sitkowski has got more reps during practice this week and DeVito's status with DeVito's status up in the air. He definitely has got a lot more reps, Bielema said. The good thing about Art is he's a guy who prepares as well as he can. Literally, from the first game to where we are now, if he wasn't in there, he was standing behind Tommy doing the motion. He would take the snap count. He would take the read, and that's part of the reason he played as well as he did on Saturday. And really, if you take away the bad, silly plays, he wasn't terrible. This is my 14th year as head coach, and I don't know if I've ever seen someone prepare more for their moment that wasn't in the moment as him. It's a lot of fun to see him get rewarded because of it. All right. Hey, a couple quick numbers here from the end of this article from Joey. 
Minnesota ranks number two in the country in scoring defense, 8.8 points per game. Number one in total defense, 220 yards per game. Number six in rushing defense, 81 yards per game. And number two in passing yards per game, 140. Okay, they got a good defense. And I'm not going to do the whole thing, well, they haven't played anybody. Because before Wisconsin and Iowa, who would we play to get those gaudy defensive numbers? But those numbers stuck. I would need to go back and check and see how many yards did Purdue get. And actually, I don't know if anyone in the YouTube feed that's internet is doing a little better than mine. If anyone in the YouTube feed can find out how many yards Purdue got when they were up at Minnesota, because that might be actually more accurate representation, knowing that, yes, they didn't have Mo Ibrahim, but their defense should have been able to probably do better against Purdue than what they gave up. So I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe get the yardage numbers for Purdue when they won up there. I keep going back to it, everybody. I wish I could tell you that I think, well, yeah, well, if this happens, that happens. Yes, there are a lot of things that could happen where Illinois loses the game. If they lose the turnover battle three to nothing or three to one, again, I don't know if they can withstand that. And by the way, it looks like 359 total yards for Purdue. Thanks a lot, I brick girl. Right? I mean, that's not that's not great. And don't you trust Illinois' defense? I think the almost forgotten thing here is we say, I shouldn't say we say. I think you guys are an optimistic bunch. But I've been on the message boards just kind of lurking. And there seemed to be, at least early in the week, less optimism that, well, if you don't have DeVito, what chance do you have? And I thought that was kind of ludicrous. This defense is that good. They're that good. And for as gaudy as the Mo Ibrahim numbers may be, keep in mind Braylon Allen was smoking opponents before they played us as well. I get the feeling that we're going to be able to contain Mo Ibrahim. Why? Because we've done it with everybody else. And consider the opponents, but we've had a tougher strength of schedule than Minnesota, tougher opponents across the board. And that defense has been as good, if not better, against Wisconsin and Iowa. I think Wisconsin's offense is better than Minnesota's offense. And we'll probably see that again on Saturday when Wisconsin goes up to Michigan State and probably smokes them. And yeah, God dang, Michigan State sucks. So all that is to say... I think we're fine. Special teams hasn't killed you. Punting seems to be coming around. Fabrizio Pintone's making kicks. I don't want to be in another game where you require him to score all your points. But if Art Sikowski does play, let's say, if Art Sikowski plays, you're really asking him to make three or four downfield throws. And I think he can do that. I know we can do that because we've seen it. And then you're asking Chase Brown to be Chase Brown. And what gives you any reason to think he won't be Chase Brown? Because while Mo Ibrahim was out against Purdue and got a lot of his numbers against early non-conference opponents, Chase Brown's been getting his against the Iowas and the Wisconsin's of the world consistently. So I really don't have a lot of concerns in terms of whether or not he's going to get his. you got a healthy Isaiah Williams who will bounce back and not do what he did. I mean, my thought is this. What if the Iowa game was your ugly game? What if the Iowa game was the ugly game where somehow you were able to escape? with a win, and now you saved your really clean performance for now. It could happen. And I do think you need to go back to last year's matchup against Minnesota to recognize, wait a second, they might be a year older, you might be a year older, but you're exponentially better. I don't know if they're exponentially better. I don't know, guys. I I, I don't know what Vegas is smoking here. Maybe I'm too close to it. Maybe I am just way into the Kool-Aid, but I, I feel better about this than Wisconsin or Iowa, and you know how I felt about those games. So here you are. You entered this three-game stretch. I said, if you go 2-1, and one, you're in great shape, and that still holds. You can lose Saturday and still be in great shape. But man, 3-0 is right there for you. 
So why not do that, right? Let's see here. From Bobo, Illinois isn't losing another regular season game, and they're going to beat OSU in the title game, drunk in the orange Kool-Aid. I have a theory, Bobo. I think they will lose another game or two, and that would be Michigan and something else. I don't think Minnesota is that something else. But then again, I don't know what the other loss would be. <laughs> It'll happen, though. I think 9-3 and three and 8-4. Eight and 8-4 eight and four you're still happy with, but 9-3 and three means you're continuing the level of play that you're at now. Assuming a Michigan loss, which I'm not 100% assuming, but that's going to be tough. Tough sledding. I'll be there, though, and I'll be ready to go. But, Bobo, this notion that, well, if you win the Big Ten West, you're just going to go and get smoked by Ohio State and Indy. Maybe, but I again, can, let's not underrate the defense. Let's not. This is not just schematic. It's, it's very much schematic, right? But if there were a pie chart between is the success schematic or based on talent, it's more of an even split than you might consider. There are talented dudes on this defense. So if you were to tell me a healthy Illini team goes into Indy against this Ohio State team, the defense at least makes it respectable. What is respectable? A 34 to 20 loss? Maybe. Maybe Ohio State's just that damn good. But I'm not going to do this thing where if you go there, because I would be in Indy, and I wouldn't be traveling over there thinking, oh, well, it's going to be fun to lose 49 to 10. And I don't think that would happen. So I would love to come back to this conversation two months from now or a month and a half from now and be proven right, that you could actually hang in there. Would I predict a win? Heck no, I would not. But play the game. Play the darn game. So I'm on the Kool-Aid too, Bobo. This is... Wow, Astros Jake is doing all 12 games this year. I'm impressed. Even looking forward to the Northwestern game will be cold as hell, but should be a lot of fun. Hopefully at that point, you're really just solidifying your January 1 bowl credentials. Give me the formerly known as Outback Bowl. I've always wanted to be in that bowl, the first one on New Year's Day, or in this case, the second, I believe, of January because New Year's Day is a NFL Sunday. Joseph says, nice, we have eight home games because of the Northwestern game. Essentially, you do, so that is nice. I I think Illinois needs to make an effort. I don't know how you do it as a marketing department to get your Chicago fan base to come out on a Saturday during Thanksgiving. And then Billy says, I'm expecting the Purdue game to be the de facto for the West. I need to see, and gosh darn it, if anyone in the chat window can actually do this, because again, my internet's not very good, Purdue schedule the rest of the way. And if anyone can post really just the games they have coming up before the Illinois game. So that would be, I think, three games. I want to take a look at that in a second. Before I do, week seven in the Big Ten, as I take a drink of coffee here. Mm. Good decaf. PSU at Michigan. I said PSU, Penn State. Michigan's seven-point favorites at home. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. I think you got like Michigan in that game. Penn State, I'm not really sure how good they are. I know they're ranked. They're one of four Big Ten teams that are ranked, Illinois being the only Big Ten West team. But uh, Michigan, despite occasionally looking shaky, like the first half against Indiana, or really the first three quarters, they tend to figure things out. So I like Michigan, minus seven in that. Maryland, minus 11 and a half at Indiana. Indiana, the emperor has no clothes. Not that we expected them to be that good, but the first three quarters of the Michigan game, I thought, well, they're that Tom Allen, tough kind of team. Listen, us losing there was a bad loss. We know that. Maryland, bounce back, but 11.5 is a lot. I would take Indiana plus 11.5. Wisconsin, 7.5 point favorites at MSU. 
I like Wisconsin in that game. I think the offense woke up against Northwestern. I think they're going to play with some fire as long as Jim Leonard is their interim and eventually probably head coach. And then Nebraska at Purdue. Purdue minus 13 and a half. I like Purdue. I think Nebraska slips. I don't buy them. I'm looking here to see. Thanks, Joseph. Purdue plays Nebraska, then Wisconsin, and then Iowa. If they win out, and I hope they don't, you know, but if they win out and you win out, game day, November 12th, Purdue at home. Is that right? Or is Purdue November 5th? Why am I? Yes, Purdue is the November 12th game. Michigan State's November 5th. Why not? Two one-loss teams, essentially a de facto Big Ten West title, as you said, Billy. Yeah, I could see that. So let's win out. They win out. You get game day. I would prefer to avoid game day if that means Purdue loses a game or two, and you can pad your lead a little bit as long as you take care of business on your end. You beat Minnesota today. You look at Purdue's schedule coming up versus your schedule. That Purdue game could, in fact, be the one where you just say, this is ours. Wisconsin and Iowa can hang in there. They could. Having two losses each already hurts them, and they will stumble along the way again. Can Illinois find their way to a two-loss Big Ten record? That would be winning out minus the Michigan game. I think, actually, 6-3 and three is more likely, and you would have the tiebreakers as long as you beat Minnesota and Purdue. I don't know. We're doing, we're doing this game. We're actually playing, how can Illinois win the Big Ten West? On October 13th, we're playing this game. Insanity. All right, YouTube live feed. I'm going to wrap things up here in just a couple minutes. Last thing, my prediction for Saturday. I have not made a point prediction. I know it's kind of a futile effort, and it's rarely accurate. I don't see where Vegas is coming from. I don't believe in Minnesota is any more than just a good team. They're good. I think we're really good. I think the defense is phenomenal. I think the defense will do what they have to do. I do think a touchdown will be given up. And it may not be, and this is almost, oh, Joseph, I thought you made my prediction there. It may not be the most dominating performance from Illinois' defense because there is a balance with Minnesota. But here's the thing. Wisconsin's offense scared me more. They have the running back, and I'm not going to say Braylon Allen is as talented as Mo Ibrahim, but he's pretty darn good. Graham Mertz is a more talented quarterback, though obviously more mistake-prone, bad decision-making than Tanner Morgan. But I think Tanner Morgan's actually a good matchup for this team and wide receivers that you don't really write home about if you're Minnesota. Defensively, I think you're going to dominate again. I really do. As long as the front four and or front five, really, the way the scheme is played, keeps Mo Ibrahim from getting going, this is right there for you. And then, if it is Art Sipkowski, you're asking him to make four downfield throws, maybe. A couple more first downs. I know Jay Lehman is big on just get a few more first downs than what you got last year, and you'll win those games. Can he do that if asked? I think he can. I, I don't hate Art. I just don't. I, I know that it's kind of a mess, and it's kind of silly, but I hope with another week there's sort of you know safety valves in place here from Barry Lunny's schemes where, okay, next time you find yourself in this position, Art... Like, <laughs> don't put the ball in danger. Throw it away, whatever you got to do. Just go down, take a three-yard loss and kneel. It doesn't matter. Just don't put the ball in the other team's hands. And if Art does that, I think you win because he can make the occasional throw. Special teams, a wash. I'm not really worried about that anymore. I'm not going to worry about that until they give me reason to worry. Illinois 24, Minnesota 16. Three field goals for Minnesota because they can move the ball 
a little bit and certainly better than Iowa. So they got a decent offense. But you find this stingy way to keep them out of the end zone. And I don't know if that seven is going to come from a defensive or a special team score from Minnesota. Maybe finally an offense punches it in. But this defense is on a mission right now. You think they want to give up a touchdown to Minnesota? No, hell no. Did they last year? I think we gave up one touchdown late to Minnesota, if I recall, right? We gave up three points for most of the game. They punched it in, and then we just ran clock after that. 24-16, to Illinois wins. How's that? Bobo says 31-9. to Visiting teams don't score touchdowns in Memorial Stadium. Kirpno says if we have DeVito, we win by 10. If not, it's going to be tight. And... That might be a more accurate, less Kool-Aid-induced prediction, Kirpnos. I think that maybe I'm just I'm, I'm feeling my laurels a little bit too much here. But yeah, I'm going 24-13 regardless of quarterback and subject to change if DeVito plays. I'm buying in. I'm buying in. And if they lose, I'll be bummed. I'll be disappointed. But I think it really comes down to how they would lose. And I would imagine it would be a situation where Minnesota just out executes you and that happens sometimes or or you make one more mistake than they do it'd be a tough pill to swallow i'd rather be six and one than five and two but this is the benefit of having won the wisconsin and iowa games and knowing this is a 12 game journey and you were not competing for a national title so in a way that unencumbers you and lets you enjoy the nine and threes or the eight and fours but yeah i think we're going to be six and one bowl eligible on homecoming weekend Best crowd of the year. Best crowd in years. Should be a great time. The fall weather looks great. Maybe a little windy, but other than that, you can't ask for more mid-October. Got everybody coming down for the tailgate. And if you want to, stop and say hi. We'll be middle of lot 31, 50-yard line, Illinois and Michigan State flag. Yeah, I'm excited. This is fun, everybody. I appreciate you, YouTube Live uh, viewers, tuning in on an earlier part of the evening on a Thursday. Like I said, we got we got tailgate shopping to do, so I don't want to take too much more time. Before I go, I want to remind you, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. That's rectorconstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown, heating, air, and plumbing. Call them today to get your furnace checked and mention us to get 10% off. That's 217-841-4728-841-4728 for Dogtown, heating, air, and plumbing. For Lana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, for all of you on YouTube, thank you guys for tuning in again. And be sure to subscribe and follow us. We were up to about 150 subscribers on YouTube after just a month or so being on there. So thank you for that. And rate and review us wherever you listen to us. We appreciate all your support. Another fun week of the 200 level. I'm not going to be here Saturday because we got so many people around. I'll be here Sunday. Hopefully a little less hungover, but just as happy. That's the goal. Everybody take care, enjoy the game, enjoy a full day of tailgating, and we will see you on Sunday. It is the 200 level.